Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome back. Welcome back to Vicarious Living. Pat and I are here, podcast studio. Hello to you. Hello to you. Two episodes tonight, standard stuff, episode 12 and episode 13. Episode 12, entitled, What to Do While You're Waiting. Episode 13, titled, Little Girl, I Want to Marry You. <laughs> yeah, that's fitting based on what happens in episode 13, but let's wait on that a sec. Um, I just want to say, upcoming on this podcast with Pat and I is we have a our first interview with a reality TV expert. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, so we've had we've already had um, Zerb come in for you know our first interview of all time, and he was like a facilitator. He's our number one fucking fan out there. Who's he's been listening with his nose to the streets, and he's going to continue to come in. But we have an interview right now with someone who's lived her entire life through the fucking teens. Awesome. So that's coming up in about half hour, 40 minutes or so, after Pat and I go through episode 12 and 13. Okay, episode 12, Pat uh-huh. starts out, Street's parents, they're suing the school. Yes. They are... Not a good look. It's bad luck. Um, they are going to blame, they're putting all the blame on the school and Coach T for Jason's paralysis. Yeah, I guess, I think since the beginning of it, Street was way against it just because it seems so outrageous. But slowly he's kind of been convinced that their medical bills are so expensive that this is their only option is to sue the school. And it's just dicey because everybody knows that you don't go against the Dylan P's. Yeah, it is dicey. I really felt for them. And again, Street's parents are just crushing it in the acting game. And I don't know why they've been killed off, essentially. Not killed off, but I don't know why they've been pulled out of the show, aka they didn't test for shit, because I think both his parents, especially his dad, just nail it. Either it was A, they were just kind of unlikable, just because they are kind of villainous, or... I guess my more preferable theory is that with his injury, like Street kind of gets this independence where he kind of becomes oh, an yeah. adult and having his parents like all up in his business is just, it's not as cool as kind of having him on his own dealing with life. Yeah, that's, I could see that. Cause like as soon as, I mean, as soon as he gets injured, he becomes a 35 year old man. Mm, yeah, he does. That ages him quick. I did think of another thing when they were, um, when they were getting sued, they had that scene where that guy just showed up and there's always that moment when you're getting served where a guy comes up in like khakis uh-huh. and he goes like, he has to say your name first. Yeah. I, I don't know the legalese on how this happens, but that sounds right. They, they have to say your name. You have to willingly say, yes, I am Eric Taylor or whatever. That's why they always go like, Eric Taylor, Eric Taylor. Mm-hmm. They have to say yes, and then you can go, you've been served. It just reminded me of the only movie I've seen with uh, with that 
stuff in it is uh, Pineapple Express. <laughs> That's his where... job in the, in the movie. <laughs> and he he's always has different like uniforms, and he'll like put on a different outfit, like show up as as like a doctor or something, and and say like their name because if it's someone in a suit it makes you a little wary, like, what the fuck is this? But if it's just someone, like, in a suit or a Girl Scout cookie outfit, <laughs> you just say, yeah. I really liked how the guy that served him called him. He walked up and he's like, Coach Eric, <laughs> he's saying, Coach Eric Taylor? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm Coach Eric Taylor. As if he were, like, a doctor, and coach is actually part of his proper title that you need to address him by. <laughs> yeah, and then he starts talking about the game. Real quick though, because I was as I was thinking about that uh, scene from Pineapple Express, there is this uh, this other scene in Pineapple Express that honestly it has nothing to do with this, but it just reminded me of that movie. Tell me about it. I really want to just play this <laughs> clip from Pineapple Express because it's the funniest clip I think in the in the entire movie. It's so subtly funny, and it was clearly just one of those like ad lib scenes between um, James Franco and. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Uh, you know when they go into the woods and they stay there all night and then they're sitting there in the car the next morning after they wake up mm-hmm. and he left the car running all night because he wanted to listen to talk radio and it killed the car battery. So when they try and go the next day, the battery is dead. And um, there's just this scene I just want to play. Here it is. Let's roll, man. I'm done with the woods. Let's go. Come on, man. Let's get the fuck out of here. Okay, uh, let's go. No, it's not working. The battery's dead. Wait. What do you mean it's dead? What do I mean? The ba- I mean, the battery's dead. We like la- The battery's dead. What do you mean the battery's dead? How can I explain this to you differently? The battery is dead. It ceased to live. <laughs> it's deceased now. The car needs a battery to start, Saul. The reason I want to play that is just because that scene to me is so hilarious because... It, that I feel like happens to me so many times, like at work or in life where you say something and then someone says like, what do you mean? And you're like, there's no other way for me to describe this. Those are the words. The battery's dead. It's dead. There's no other words to say to describe that, that activity that has happened. Yeah. I've never thought about that before, but that response is canned and really annoying. Yeah, ah, the a, door is locked. What? Yeah, like, yeah, that's a good one. What do you mean the door? The door is locked. I can it's, just all I can do is repeat the exact same thing <laughs> I already said to explain this situation. Um, so, like I said, yeah, that had nothing to do with Friday Night Lights, but um, it's just good stuff. I do want to move into, you know, I was I've been tasked, I tasked myself with uh, giving a fun fact every week. Oh, okay. So I do have a fun fact about Tammy T and Coach T, if you're ready. I'm always ready for fun facts, especially when they're about the T's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought of this one because uh, they were the one of the first scenes in episode 12 is they're sitting there, they're laying there in their bed discussing the fact that they've been served and Street is suing them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I it just reminded me that, did you know that they actually, Pete Berg he he filmed or it was in the original script to film a sex scene between coach T and Tammy T and as they were filming it Kyle Chandler was so uncomfortable and so awkward in the sex scene that 
they shot it so many different times and they couldn't get it right. Like they couldn't get it to seem like these two people were married and actually getting sexual yeah. <laughs> that they just cut it from the show. Really? I, that's yeah. hard to imagine because their chemistry, they're like, they're bickering and marriage chemistry is so good. I figured that would translate to the bedroom. I know, but it, I think it makes sense though, because as we were talking about when we were watching that, watching them lay in bed is like, watching your own parents in their bed and so the whole time when i see them laying in bed all i'm thinking is like please don't have sex please don't have sex like please don't do anything nefarious in this bed i don't want to watch it it's it's no i'm actually hoping it happens quite <laughs> yeah. the opposite <laughs> we're on opposite ends of honestly i'm dive down under those sheets so do you have any more details on the sex scene was it it was, it was just... Is it uh, in the deleted scenes? Can we watch it somehow? No, I, I think they filmed it, filmed it, filmed it. And was, they it could... I'm assu- was it full penetration? Or Pray to God. Or did they show everything? I mean, I would imagine that if it was a sex scene on a movie set, per like every sex scene in a movie, full penetration, the actors actually have to fuck. Yeah. That's science. Yeah? There's no way to fake having sex. Um, yeah, so anyways, it, yes. I, I fear them let's fucking... Hunt, let's hunt for that in the deleted scenes. We'll hunt for it. Uh, we'll see if we can find it and put that on our Instagram, which is Vicarious Podcast. Wow, you fucked it up this time. <laughs> give it. Don't you give it. Give it. Give yeah, it this is how professional does it. Okay, give, give our Gmail and Instagram. We should have done that earlier. Go Gmail ahead. is vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com. Instagram, Vicarious Living Podcast. So check it out. If we find that deleted scene, we'll put the full penetration up on our Instagram. Yep. But yes, the uh-huh. point is, I fear them fucking like I fear my parents fucking. Never want to see it. Okay. Next, um, I just wrote down here, Julie is so sexy when she's mad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, I don't even know what that was. Refer- oh, it was the, the clip when she comes in, Matt forgot to pick her up that one day or whatever. Saracen stood her out. I will say this, though, about, you know, Julie Taylor being sexy is uh, she's got her own set of pigtails this episode. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Fuck. It's palpable what it does to me. In season three. <laughs> in season three. I mean, goddamn, in season three, is she a smoke show? But fuck. Uh uh, yeah, she uh, she put it all together this episode. Is it, it safe was... to say that you would want Julie Taylor to come over to your house while you're sitting on the porch and give you some present casserole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I mean, she put it all together. She was wearing the Chuck tees with the jeans. She had the pigtails going. And, Zerb, add another one to the list because I was thinking about this when I was watching it. It's kind of an extension off what I was saying about comfortable clothes. If a girl's got a sweatshirt on and it's a little too big <laughs> and it's kind of like it doesn't the the base of the sleeves. I'm showing Pat right now what yeah. I'm doing visually. The base of the sleeves, they don't stop here at the wrist. Right. They go up you onto the wrist you like want this. Up like just over the thumb. Just over the thumb to where the tips of the fingers are just coming out. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that gets me going. You, do you think it's because you like a girl with short arms? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't the, think I want a T-Rex like syndrome you like on the a lady. just a little long. I just like the sli- have the sleeves be a little long. The, okay. the arms need to be regular length, like yeah. normal lady arms. But, yeah, the, the, the sweatshirt's just a little too big to where it's peeking over, peeking over the wrist at the base of the hand. 
just a couple fingers coming out. Makes her look real comfortable and real cozy. Um, I'm not going to argue with you on that one, mainly because I don't know how. So I'm just going to let you have it. Okay. Should we do a clip here? Should we get a real clip from the show in? We haven't even given a clip Slot yet. Slot it in, man. I just want to... We've talked about in the past how if you are ever in a shootout... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With anyone. With this. If you're ever in a shootout, kids, tip for the kids. If you're ever in a shootout, If you're staring down the barrel of a gun. Yeah. If you just tell them to fucking do it, they will never do it. So here's a clip of this happening to Tyra with her, uh, this guy who's like dating her mom. Here it is. So it's not a gun in this scene. It's a it's a fire poker. Same effect. St- same result. The the boyfriend, he kind of um we'll talk a little bit about Tyra's relationship with her mom in this episode, but the boyfriend is a big time creep. And I play that little clip where he says something about Tyra and her mom's ass. Oh, a little bonus <laughs> clip on top of the clip we just played. Clip. So yeah, hold he, on, hold on, I'll play it. Here it is. Seen these jeans your daughter's wearing? You okay with these? What? Man, you ladies have a genetically superior ass that runs in this family. So this creepy boyfriend makes this comment, and then throughout the whole episode, Tyra's trying to convince her mom that because he hit her and he's just kind of a, a bad guy and he doesn't treat the mom right, that the mom needs to leave him. What she never brings up is that he's a fucking creep. Like, I feel like that that would come up. Like, Mom, remember that ass comment he made? Yeah. I'm 15 and a half years old. <laughs> yeah, you, should just, you should leave this guy. He's she fucking is, yeah. a monster. Very wise for a 15-year-old, yet at the same time, I think anyone would have that reaction of like, hey, this guy is a fucking creep. Yeah, I feel like she should have put that comment and probably the hundreds other kind of comments that he's probably made on the table. And she was trying to convince her mom to get away from that guy. I think, though, what, the, what, uh, what Pete Berg was trying to do there is sh- show us that it's not about the guy. It, the mom, the point of all that whole storyline with Tyra's mom is that her mom just has the lowest fucking self-esteem. And she doesn't literally, she will pick any guy. It doesn't matter who the fuck it is. She just needs a dude with a dick and a pulse to, to lie next to her in bed. doesn't matter that that dude is creepy as fuck and trying to hook up with his, her daughter. It doesn't matter. Does he have a dick? Check. Does he have a pulse? check plus and that's all that's needed so yeah it's it's pretty fucked out but um i think there are just a lot of people that do that shit in this world where it's like honestly i just have such low self-esteem that i just need any warm body next to me and it's totally it's sad uh but it's probably reality of whenever you see somebody in like high school or younger like parenting their own parent it's always kind of depressing yeah, that's what Tyra's having to do a lot of that this episode. We did make that comment on this when we were watching this, which is like, besides Coach T and Tammy T, like all the other adults in this series are way dumber than their fifteen and a half year old kids. And it's a bunch of Jimmy Coopers. Dylan's filled with a bunch of Jimmy Coopers. Yeah, fuck Dylan. Um, God damn. I, um, I'm kind of zigging or I'm zagging a little bit, but I just want to piggyback on our Tyra and her mom thing with. 
Um, Tyra, this whole episode, is trying to convince the mom to kind of like be an independent woman, get a job, get away from this trash guy. And there's a scene where Tim Riggins comes up, this is later in the episode, and apologizes to Tyra for like yeah. just all the shit that he's done and kind of like tries to, to uh, rekindle what they have yeah, maybe get a little her bit. Back. He tries to get her back. He tries to get her back and he gives this like great apology. Um, but it's not because he really wants her. Honestly, it seems like he wants her back because he couldn't get Lila and it's yeah, like, it's he's easy. like, he's out of office. Yeah. Yeah. But it, clearly he's been doing some soul searching and he, uh, he's trying to win her back. And I was really proud of her because she drinks her own medicine. Yep. And you know what she does? She says, fuck no. She makes him wait. Mm. She gets him out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta make him wait, ladies. Kid ladies, make him wait. Make him wait. I mean, that's fucking science. If a Tim Riggins comes crawling back to you, do not take him back. No guy ever wants to get a girl where it's fucking easy. That is as true as time itself. I don't know if that's a saying. <laughs> it's as true as time itself. It's as true as time itself, kids. Don't, like, if if a guy is into you, never let him get you initially or, like, the first 30 times. You got to make him fucking work for it. Honestly, he's if you let a, if you let him get you, like, immediately, he's also just going to be done with you really quick. If you turn him down, guaranteed, this is also as true as time. Yep. He'll come. He'll be, keep coming right back. Oh, yeah. Dudes are very competitive and they want what they can't fucking have. So if you ever want a dude to be into you, just fucking continue to say no to him. Yeah, I feel like as soon as she did that to Riggins, Lila was off his radar. He's like, shit. Yep. Now I got a new target. Yeah. I want I want Tyra back. I'm going to do anything I can to get her back. Let's go to shooting practice because target's in sight, you know? Fuck it. Um, they, so that, they, they do all that at a carnival and the, the carnival is kind of the, the big through line. It's the big event in, in this episode 12. Um, I feel like there's a lot of carnivals in teen dramas. Yeah. I mean, teen dramas and in Dylan, just in general, I feel like, am I wrong in saying this is the third carnival that they've had? I know for sure the episode where the scout was in town. Oh yeah. It was a carnival. Yeah, and there were... I feel like there's been another one, too. Well, there were tons of kickoff carnivals on the OC. That's true. So, really, the only difference between carnivals in Dillon, Texas, and in Orange County, California, is that the ones in Orange County are just filled with sexual tension, where the ones in Dillon are a little more realistic, Yeah, I feel like. It shows all the white trash that really comes out to those fucking carnivals. (laughs) You know what we should do? We should do a show where you and I are traveling carnies. Like, we're the guys who, like, drive the trucks and, like, set the rides up and take tickets. Yeah. Except we just go around from town to town and we just kind of get immersed in the teen drama that's happening at these carnivals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, am I crazy or is that that a fucking sweet idea? Should we go with it? We'd probably do that and then just bring, like, cameras with us and film, like, a reality TV show. Because there's tons of drama going down at these carnivals. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do, I do, actually, it just reminded me of when, when you were talking about Tyra, we got to play a line that she fucking says, because this line gave us, both of us, a feeling of like, mm, that is good is stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So here it is. If you would even consider giving me a second chance, Tyra, believe me, it would be so different. 
so many times I would have loved to hear those words come out of your mouth. God, I'd love to say yes. But I hate myself for it. I'd be a hypocrite, you know? I guess timing's everything. And that, again, is fucking as true as time. Timing is everything. <laughs> it is fucking everything. God, I, when she said that, I was just like, that makes so much sense. If you think about anything in life, it's about fucking timing, kids. God damn. Mmm. Mmm, that's good. Um, there was two more things at this carnival, and then we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot into episode 13. First thing. I love when they do that sort of editing where it's clear that something really great is happening and like it's a montage of like people cheering and people getting all excited and they're doing that at the carnival where the team that they're watching on TV to, for the Panthers to get in the playoffs, they need, Mead. they need Arnett Mead to lose. And they're sitting there watching the game and, and they do lose. And then everyone's cheering, everyone's cheering, the music's playing, the really good music, montage, slow motion. But at that same time, simultaneously, something really shitty is happening for Coach. And that's he sees Street in the wheelchair who just stares at him. He knows Street's got a lawsuit against him and he just looks at him and he thinks he might talk to him and get figure out what's up. And then Street just turns on his wheels, turns on a dime wheels away it's out of there yeah and so i love that scene because it's like coach is like he wants to feel good all this like euphoric happy things are happening around him but then you look at his face and it's like while all that good stuff's happening he's still dealing with some fucked up shit yeah i think they, they did that a, a pretty decent amount in this show and it's great it's like the last episode where they won the game but saracen got benched so, like, the team's oh, celebrating, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Saracen's, like, fucking miserable. Yeah. Different stuff. Uh, we talked about it briefly when... Um, it's such but, a good dichotomy. It's, like, such a good, like, uh, sweet and sour at the same time, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, candy, sweet and sour candy. You're getting, like, all the good and then some shittiness. Nothing feels worse than when you should be feeling really awesome, but you're not. So true. Yep. That happens to me all the time. I think probably because I'm just like a pessimist who always sees the glass half empty <laughs> to where things, good things are happening. And all I think about, like, even after the Celtics, the happiest time of my life, 2008, when the Celtics won the championship, as they were celebrating, I just kept thinking about, well, next year, uh, this guy's a free agent. He's going to be gone. We're going to oh, have to rebuild the whole team. Come on, man. I know. It's fucking sad. You got to live dude. in the moment. I guess I'm like, I'm just like Coach T, dude. Mm -hmm. Me yeah. and him are no, exactly that's the same. That's true. I'm just like him. Um, second thing, and this was a real interesting point, and this was right when the carnival ended. Street comes back. He wheels up to the coach after practice one day, right before the episode's about to end. Him and coach have a conversation. He tells coach, look, this lawsuit, coach, it's not my call. I was against it. I was against it. That's my parents, dude. It's not me. Don't blame me. I'm gonna throw my mom and dad under the bus right now, real fucking hard. Yeah, I think he says he's like he's like it's out of my hands. You'll always be my coach, something like that. Basically, the lawsuit is still full on, full swing, but 
those two characters kind of like mended fences. It was yeah. like uh it's a business deal. They came to at least a empathy understanding of at least now That's the coach empathizes, he knows where Street's coming from. But it did make me think looking at Street hold his hand out for coach to shake it, that dead fish handshake. Mm-hmm. It really showed. It was like it was powerful. And yep. It was one of those moments where it was like, holy shit, a dead fish handshake can look very different depending on what the situation is. One, if it's like a guy who just has fucking weak ass grip and like a bullshit little pussy ass handshake when he goes to shake your hand. Not inspiring. Not inspiring. Borderline gross. It's gross. And you're like, wow, this guy's a fucking pussy. What the hell, dude? Like, get a grip. Literally. You little bitch. But then the flip side is this. What if you're a paraplegic Mm -hmm. and you don't have access to opposable thumbs anymore? Correct. And then you extend that hand to coach. It's powerful. It's so powerful because it's like, look, coach, I don't got much to give right now on this handshake, but here it is. Grab it. I'm giving you everything I got right now. And you know, Coach Taylor takes that hand. In his hands, yep. and they form an understanding. An empathy understanding. God, it's powerful stuff. That handshake is powerful. It's the only time I've seen a dead fish handshake just be filled with fucking power and inspiration. Okay, episode 13. This one, entitled, Little Girl, I Want to Marry You. Oh yeah, I love that episode <laughs> title. <laughs> sounds sounds real me, creepy coming out of my mouth. Makes me feel so comfortable. Go on. So, this one, (laughs) a lot of Buddy Garrity in this episode, which I loved. (laughs) We continue to just play a little ping pong on opposite sides of the fence on him. I might as well say, uh, I don't know if you're going to dive into Buddy right now. Yeah, I was. Definitely swinging back towards my side of the uh, the (laughs) fence here. Well, Uh, he's literally running the wedge on his own daughter in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) He sets her up on a date with like a family friend type guy. And, uh, and then when confronted by Street, who says, are you, you don't want me to date your daughter? He's like, actually, yeah, if you want me to be honest, I do not. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he's a dick. He's a dick. I I wrote down that he is, he's the most lovable piece of shit I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Because he, yes, he is still a piece of shit. So I am, I have, uh. And like, if, like, if you're on his side for whatever, like, little scam or scheme he's trying to run. It's great because he has no shame and will do anything needed to like get the job done. You want him on your side, yeah. Like if you're that family friend and you want a girlfriend and he's trying to set you up with his daughter, it's great for you. Oh yeah. Because no, you're on yeah. Buddy Garrity's team and he's right. trying to like, Oh yeah, no, we'll go to this restaurant, it's good, no, I told her all this great stuff about you. Like, thumbs up, but if you're street He's the best wingman ever. Girlfriend's dad yeah. is trying to run the wedge on you. Yeah, he's either the best wingman ever if he's on your side, on on his daughter's side, he's a great wingman, mm-hmm. and if he's against you because your boyfriend has happened to have a catastrophic accident where he lost the feeling in his limbs, then he's pulling the wedge and he's like the worst wingman of all time and he sucks. Yeah, so it's pretty easy to say if you're the if you're the family friend, he's trying to set you up with his daughter, Buddy Garrity's a good guy. If you're street and he's trying to steal your girlfriend away, sucks. He sucks. So going right down the middle, if you're Lila, 
and your dad's doing all this creepy shit to try to break you and your boyfriend <laughs> up, yeah. who's seemingly a great guy. Just fuck off, dude. He's, he's a dick. That's the definition of do less, dad. Like, God damn, dad. <laughs> just do less. Do less dadding, dad. Um, I do want to say I that- just picture, but this is not a scene in the show, but I just picture Buddy Garrity telling the guy that he's setting up uh, Lila with just about how hot his daughter is. <laughs> yeah, that's totally in his wheelhouse. My daughter's great, man. Great titties, like really great titties, guy. Um, I I do want to say though, as as we're talking about this and and bringing Lila up with it, Lila, it, it's like maybe this is how Lila got so fucking shitty. Is she got it from her dad because she has this scene where okay, yes, her dad's trying to set her up and wedge in on her boyfriend. That's bullshit. But then she's at the diner with Street and she's telling him all this. She's going through like what her dad wants her to do. She's uh, telling Street that she's about to go on this date. And then Street obviously objects. And then she actually says, and I quote, if you don't want me to go on this date, then I won't. And she says it in like a way where it's like she's putting it on him. Yeah. Like, he's being ridiculous. Like, hey, man, I'm just going out on a date with another guy who's trying to fuck me. If you boyfriend. don't want me to do that, what? then let me know, and I won't. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> worst girlfriend alert of all fucking time, lady. Like, fucking, how dense can you be? How horrible are you in relationships? It just reminds me of exactly of Marissa Cooper. It's exactly what fucking Marissa would have done. Where you do this horrible shitty thing. And like go hang out with another dude. And like on a date. Get all sexual. And like clearly the guy's trying to fuck you. And it's it's just like it's in the air all around you. And then yet you're going to try and make your significant other feel like the bad guy. For be having like being a little uncomfortable with that. That's a classic Marissa Cooper move. God damn. You giving it to her? I'm not. Um, I I will. I'll let that transition into what my MCITW of the week is. Okay. I'm going to give Lila a break because I dished it on her pretty hard last week. I this remember. week. <laughs> <laughs> this week, though, MCITW is going straight to the running back of the Dylan piece. Wow. Yep. Smash W. Rough, and, rough episode for Smash. So we have strategically skipped like all of smash's storylines which includes steroids the waverly shit um stuff i will say hold on though there is one storyline that we should talk about i'll do my mcw quick though but we should talk about the dynamic between him and his mom because that actually is intriguing let's get stuff there um, but anyways, the MCITW this week, that is the MCITW Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. And that is brought to you by our fine sponsors from Wicklowware, W-I-C-K-L-O-W, where be free and explore, get all your outdoor gear at Wicklowware.com, go into Smash Williams. And by the way, Smash, if you were living in 2019, I would tell you, type in the promo code VL at checkout to get 10% off for your order. All Wicklow gear, all the outdoor gear, 10% off VL at checkout. Smash Williams finally got off the steroids because his mom caught him. And the reason I'm going to, I waited to give this to him was because honestly, I wanted that whole steroid storyline to end. And then I was just going to crescendo bring it to a fucking halt with the MCITW, put my stamp on it that I don't approve. It's now in writing. It's official. He's a piece of shit forever doing steroids. Mm -hmm. Put it in the books. Yep. 
his mom finds out that he did steroids, she goes immediately to the coach. She goes nuclear. She goes nuclear. And, God, in that moment, honestly, I could throw the mom into the MCITW of the week, too. Because it's like, hey, bitch, bring it up to your son first before you go to the fucking coach and weave, like, real authority into this shit. Yeah, if, if your son goes, oh, no, the coach is all making us do steroids, then, then you got a bigger problem on your hands. I feel like you got to start with the son, maybe? you got to start with the person who you found the steroids under their bed and not just march straight into the coach. Because the tricky thing here is, as soon as Eric Taylor knows about it, then, if he doesn't say anything, it's like, it comes down on him. Because he knows about it. It's weak. It's fucking bullshit. And then, so what Coach does is he essentially, he, he, do, he, he suspends Smash for doing the steroids. Stops that storyline. It's over now forever. But Smash is suspended for the playoff game. So We should note, and they make a big deal about it in the show, Coach Taylor is sticking his neck out by he suspends him and like disciplines him, but he does not kick him off the team and he does not like report to the athletic commission that he's been doing steroids, which is what he should have done. Correct. But he knows that it would he doesn't really care about I think he cares more about Smash's future than he does like Smash playing yeah. in the playoffs. Because really that's small potatoes, but he would feel bad just completely ruining his life. Coach always does the right thing and he's like, Look, I would be pissed about missing the playoffs, but I'd be way more not able to live with myself if I did the wrong thing here and not discipline and show this kid that these steroids are wrong. He buried it, but it was for the good reasons. Yeah. He didn't bury it so they could win the playoffs. No. It was more thoughtful. So, with that, be free and explore. Brought to you by Wicklobar. Don't do steroids, kids. Don't do them, kids. Um, Okay, I want to pepper in a clip. It's clip time. This clip is great because the dynamic between Coach T and Tammy T is just always a through line in every single episode. It's always fucking the best. And so I want to play a clip because this is where Tammy walks in to Coach as he's in that meeting. (laughs) And honestly, it was probably one of the lamest moves I've ever seen a wife make. Yeah. He's at work. Yeah. He's at work in a coach's meeting. They're watching film and they're they're strategizing about the upcoming game. He's at work. And she just like comes down into the, the fucking locker room, goes into their back office, and just like interrupts him. And it's like, what the fuck? And what she did, it wasn't for anything even that like remotely important or or that big of a deal or something that couldn't wait their daughter was not in danger no like (laughs) the house wasn't on fire it was literally just she was thinking about it and she decides that she does want to work with mayor rodell or some bullshit who cares whatever it doesn't matter text it It could have been a text yeah oh yeah it could we're talking about that it could have been a text it could have been a t9 word text on a 2006 flip phone Mm -hmm. is what it could have been so hit the three button five times to get a fucking H or whatever. Whatever you need to do, Tammy. Just don't... Spend the 30 minutes to write a text out in 2006 and tell him what you've just decided based on your conversation last night that really doesn't matter for shit. I mean, goddamn. I mean, if they would have lost that game, we probably could have blamed it on Tammy T. Yeah, probably put all the blood on her hands. Um, so yeah, let's play this clip, though. This clip is after she does that. She goes in, and I loved this this clip because it was their dynamic is just so good, 
And so after she does that bullshit move, when they're just sitting there like kibitzing back, kibitzing, kibitzing, sure. When they're kibitzing, <laughs> when they're just sitting there going back and forth, um, it's great because it's just the most real sort of real life relationship argument or discussion like ever. Here it is. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm uncomfortable with it. I'm uncomfortable with it. Well, you know what? You're going to just have to be uncomfortable with it then. (laughs) It's never a dull moment with you. Well, that's why you married me, sugar. I guess so. I don't quite remember why I married you, but there's never a dull moment with you. (laughs) Okay, okay. Never a dull moment, huh? Never a dull moment. I don't know why I just... They're, they're so good at mixing in sarcasm, passive aggressiveness, like every little nuance that goes into an argument in a relationship, they just nail it. They nail like the dynamic of two people who are with each other 24-7 for the past 10 years, 15 years, whatever, and like exactly how that is. It's perfect. Yep. I mean, chemistry does not apparently, as we found out, translate to the bedroom, but that's true (laughs) that is true um i only have one more uh one more storyline and then we'll go to the interview with megan jason completely fucking misreading the situation with lila and asking her to marry him yeah what the fuck why do that are you saying he misreads it because he think he just misread like what his action should be on buddy Lila's dad, like, trying to get her to date other guys and her going on dates and stuff. His solution to that was, oh, I don't want to lose my girl. I'm 16 and a half in high school, so what am I going to do uh, to make sure that she doesn't leave me and, and we stay together? I'm going to propose to her on the doorsteps of her front door. Uh, like, with no wedding ring. <laughs> At 16, with no money. It was like the dumbest fucking, like, dude, what are you doing? Do you think in that scene Lila wanted that to happen? No. I think she was caught off guard. You'll see it as She was very caught off guard because she thought he was breaking up with her. And I forgot what went down, so I also thought that he was going to break up with her. You'll see it as episodes go on. It just starts to come to life how dumb that decision is. You're actually like talking about like moving in together, starting a life together, getting a job as you're like 17 in high school. It just doesn't play. But right now in this moment, like that was his answer. And it just, it looks so desperate to me. I thought it was pathetic as fuck. It's so pathetic. Does like, he actually say the words from the title of this episode? In little, that speech? Little girl, I want to marry you. Yeah. I think he just says, fuck, I don't know if he does. Just go back and see. Mm-hmm. But either way, he does ask her to marry him. And it's just like, it's a disgusting, pathetic display of garbage. It's fucked out. Okay, so I think now now is high time. Let's go to this interview. Um, after we hear from the reality TV expert uh, who spent who's dedicated entire life to diving deeply into the kids on the small screen, uh, we'll bring it back to Pat and I. Pat will give his MVP. But first, here's this interview. Here it is. So, 
Coast. We're here on the East Coast. We took this podcast for a little road trip. Road tripped with one of our number one biggest fans. We have a lot of number any any guest that comes on, they're a number one fan. But this is one of our key female listeners. And this will be really good to get a female perspective. So, Megan, why don't you say hello? Hi. We've had a lot of Midwest takes. And so we needed to get out here to the East Coast to hear what the East Coast kids are saying. Megan's an East Coast kid. <laughs> I do, I do want to, so we're going to go through, tonight Pat and I are going to go through episodes 12 and 13, but me and Megan, Megan and I, are just going to sit here and just sort of give like a mid-season recap and figure out like where Pat and I sound really fucking chauvinistic and like lame-ass dudes. Sounds good. To tell you, we don't get a lot of lady perspectives besides intern Whitney. She's the only lady perspective we've really gotten. I appreciate her perspective. Do you resonate? Do they resonate it, with you? It resonates, yeah. Matt Saracen, like really, point, yeah. You love Matt Saracen. I have some some changing opinions on that, but yeah. oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. we'll but let's table that. We'll get into all that. I want to ask some New Jersey specific questions because no offense to New Jersey, but this is the worst city I've ever been to in my life. City or state? Sorry, state. <laughs> no, I'm not good at geography. All right, then. I'm not good at geography. So, worst state I've ever been to, and no offense, you live here, you grew up here, this is this is your garden state. So, we were talking about one time, I do just want to ask you because, real curious about, you were telling me one time you'll go to restaurants that like Real Housewives of New Jersey people will go to. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you, it's such a weird dynamic because you've had show like Cincinnati, the only TV show we've ever had is Police Women of Cincinnati. <laughs> a hit. So being from New Jersey, what is it like, one, having that stereotype when that's not you at all? It's not me. No. I think you're more Midwest. I don't know. I, and I've been told that people in Kansas, at least... Different part of the Midwest. Yeah, no, that's way Midwest. Are really tall and nice, so it sounds like my speed. You're going to you're going to in. I'm thinking okay. like just a touch of Midwest, okay. like Chicago. You should have specified. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like Chicago. I feel like you're built for like Chicago. Yeah, I probably am, but um, I don't know. So when Jersey Shore came out, how much did you hate it? It was like 2009. I was like probably like a junior, or senior in college. Did like you? Senior. Yeah. And yeah, it like, no, everyone in high school is obsessed with it, including me. <laughs> but they, they just like don't match like the rest of New Jersey at all. Cause, and none of How the much characters... do you hate Karma? The, oh. the club they always go to. <laughs> I, I haven't been to Karma myself, but I have been to Bamboo, which is like right down the oh, street. And yeah. it's just like a complete monstrosity on the corner of like a nice like Jersey Shore town. And it's just, like, the trashiest place ever. And and also completely empty. Like, you imagine it as, like, just full of just fist-pumping uh, guidos. guidos. But it's not. It's, like, completely empty and just full of, like, uh, 18 and over kids. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who have never danced with a girl in their life. And All right. <clears throat> what, what kind of guido guys disgust you? All guido guys. All guido guys. Yeah. You hate the New Jersey kind of guy. That's why I'm yeah. saying you're built for the fucking Midwest. Yeah, I so like. I, I never thought that Jersey Shore matched New Jersey. Because, like, no one from my town is really like that. But I think, like, since living in Morristown, Morristown is, like, North Jersey for anyone 
who's from the Midwest out there. Well, pray to God there's some fucking <laughs> East Coast people listening and know the area you're talking about. But go on. But, um, so Morristown brings in a lot of like people from all areas of New Jer- of North Jersey because there's nowhere else to like go out. Yeah. So it breeds like a lot of like younger kids, like college, but like mm. around the area. A lot of grinding. So a lot of Jersey Guidos think that Morristown is a great great place to to go out in. How do you feel about grinding disgusting. at bars? It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to put my grinding boots back on. I haven't ground since like freshman year of high school and I just feel like I'm I'm due. Grind it. Ground. <laughs> All right. New Jersey questions over. Uh, well, I did want to... So do you see... Because like uh, when we were watching Police Women of Cincinnati, we'd be like, oh, fuck. That place, OTR. Or we'd be like, oh, shit. Going over like the west... Like the west side, east side, whatever. Do you have that when you watch, like, Real Housewives of New Jersey? Like, oh, I know that place. Yeah, yeah. Especially this season. I feel like they filmed a lot in in Morristown. And you won't realize it. Like, they'll film a restaurant scene. And then mm. it'll cut, like, at the end of the scene, it'll cut to, like, the outer, the outside of it. And it'll be, like, a place in Morristown. Okay. New Jersey questions aside now. Mm -hmm. Um... Just thought over before we get into Friday Night Lights because I want to get your overall thoughts on the first half of season one because we really bonded when we first met. What was that three years ago? Yeah, there's That's three awesome. three areas I think of when we first met that I was like, oh, this is gonna be like my East Coast like ride or die, bitch. I've heard this before, but I can't wait to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number one, I was having a really shitty day. I needed to call and vent. You were working from home that day. You took the call, could tell I was having a bad day, immediately started getting drunk during the work day. <laughs> I did? You don't remember that. You started drinking wine when I was having a really shitty day. I just do it day. so often. All right. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Hey, that meant okay. something to this guy. All right, okay. All right. Second one um, was... Oh, this was like early on. I was in San Francisco, sent you a picture from an airport of some cast off from Bachelor like three seasons prior. She wasn't even the Lauren from the season. There were multiple Laurens. And I sent you a picture, fuzzy picture from the San Francisco airport. And I was like, do you know who this is? Yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure you sent that. Like you might've just sent it with no context. Yeah, and you were like, like that's a morning. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, well, that was Slow fucking badass. <laughs> and then the third one was just your overall innate visceral reaction to seeing Jason Street uh, wheeling down the street in his fucking wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say that I think like a good preface to all of this, like a necessary preface. You hate all paraplegics, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, like to like becoming friends with you was that I oh, just yeah. like. Was disgusted by you, like, right? Yeah, 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 you. yeah. No, that's that's pretty standard stuff. Uh, yeah, the first interaction, one of the first interactions, came up to you, asked you a question of like, um, <laughs> it was some work project that we were doing, and I, per usual, was not fucking taking part in it because I hate work. And I came up to you, and I knew you were heavily involved, and I think I just, what did I say? I said like, am I supposed to be doing something? <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, no, dude, no. You were no, just, no, the, no, you were no. so just, it was like, oh, get the fuck away from me, guy. I, like, God. I was like, you're good. You're good. Fuck just, off, no. you loser. 
And even before that, there was like one other, um, the first time that I met you, like the Kroger team. Still just as disgusted. Uh, yeah, I didn't even register that you right. were even in the room. Definitely worse. Yeah. I was supposed to train all Pure of you on like this tool. Yeah. And um, I just didn't even register that any of you were in the room, like right next to right. me. <laughs> God, and look at us now. Just crushing it. Yep. Crushing it. We really overcame that. For a great friendship. (laughs) Really solid foundation and base there. Um, Okay. I have a bunch of would you rathers. And I have one for you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited about that. Okay. I'm going to give like a couple here. Just rapid fire. Go through these. Your, Your gut reaction to these. Okay. These are a lot of, most of these are on, actually, I think all these are on Friday Night Lights and a lot of them have a sexual connotation to them because I'd like to put you in an uncomfortable position. Amazing. So, first one. Would you rather have sex with Landry privately? No one else would fucking know. Or have five public wheelchair races with Jason Street with a thousand people in attendance? Okay. Um, Five public uh, wheelchair races. Do so I, it's like, do I win? It, it doesn't. Well, probably not, because he like he's in he it owns, for life. Yeah, he's he owns the wheelchair game. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and he lives in it, so I mean, you walk around on two legs. Um, I'm not completely disgusted by Landry, so okay, I'll go with Landry just because I want to limit my Jason Street interaction at all costs. Yeah, for the listeners, for the kids. Uh, Megan fucking hates Jason Street, and I would say at least 98% of the reason why is because he's paraplegic. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's actually not, and I have thoughts on that. Okay, say, table this. Next one. So you would cho- you are, you are, you skew a little more introvert, so I could see yes. how you would just choose the disgusting sex <laughs> privately. Maybe, uh, you didn't say it was disgusting. Landry's pretty gross. He's pretty, he's a ginger. He might be albino, to be honest. He could be albino. Okay, another one. Would you rather be Lila Garrity's roommate for one year? One year of being her roommate. Living with her all day, every day. Okay. Or one month of waking up at 5 a.m. every single day to go for a two-mile jog. Now, for context, for the listeners, you hate physical activity. And I can't imagine waking up at 5 a.m. every single day for a jog would be high on your list. No, especially not in winter. But then again, Lila Garrity blows ass. So yeah. where would you net out there? And it's, especially... it's, one, it's one month of waking up that early, or you live with her as a roommate for one, a whole wait. year. Oh, I thought you meant a year of no. running no. versus a month. No, I wouldn't do wait. that. So it's a month of running versus a year of living with her. Yes. I would definitely choose a month. Also because... 5 a.m.? Yes. Physical activity. Is it in the summer? I'll put it... Let's like March. Like March? March is fair. Yeah, so there'll be some cold days and then some nice days. But at 5 a.m. it's going to be cold. Um, You choose the running, huh? I choose the running because I also have just the the picture of Lila slash Minka Kelly as the roommate. Have you seen that movie with Leighton Meester? No. She plays her stalker and their roommates. They oh. move in to college freshman year and they kind of look alike, which is like the whole purpose yeah. of casting both of Lady them. Lady Meester's way more attractive. Interesting. Actually, I don't know. I don't know because I know you're going to you're going to cringe at this, but 
Leighton Meester, bow-legged. I don't like that. Lila Garrity, cankles. I hate that. Okay, so I actually have a thought on the cankles. Okay. I didn't realize... Didn't you say that um, Marissa Cooper has cankles, too? No. She just... Her legs aren't great. Okay. A little okay. thicker. Okay. Fine. Down below than, than I think above that, the waist. I think I got confused with that because, like, I remember, like, you saying that and I was trying to Google her legs and, like, I couldn't find anything. But then I Googled... Lila Garrity does have cankles bad. Oh. <laughs> when you covered it in, like, your last episode, then I Googled it, like, this past week. <laughs> and I was shocked. Yeah. Astonished. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah. I'm just I'm, surprised that you're agreeing with that because that's a very chauvinistic point by us males. So I'm glad though no, no, no. that you I, like, feel that way. I didn't even I, I didn't realize that like <laughs> they were that bad. Someone could be so perfect. Like, I know the, the first fifty percent from the knee up, seventy five percent. Seventy five, yeah. I mean, from the knee up, she is so attractive, so attractive. My 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 fellow podcaster Pat, he gets so jacked up whenever she comes on, especially from like in the chest region. And she is, she's really hot. She's she really is hot. really attractive, but I, ju- I just fucking hate her personality so much because of this show yeah. that like, I'm going to let that 25% cankle feel like 50% or 80%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one. Would you rather have coach Taylor as your dad slash life mentor or as my husband, Mary Matt Saracen? I guess this might've changed. <laughs> I would, uh, I would rather have Matt Saracen as my husband. Really? But, yeah, because... Even though he's he's a few inches shorter than you. Because I want Coach... I don't see Coach Taylor as a dad. You just want to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, date a guy whose number one passion is rock climbing. He goes rock climbing four or five times a week after work, like a total <laughs> douche. And that also just says a lot more about his personality. So, that's happening. Or... Date a guy who's super career-driven, and he uses the word right a lot. <laughs> Pure torture. Both of these are torture for me. I know. Like, he's, he's the guy who's saying right a lot is constantly doing practice hero things, too. Like, at work. Like, he's always, like, yes. doing, like, projects and, like, just like a he's, douche. He's not confident enough in himself. He's a fake it till you make yeah. it guy. Yes. That you're very aware of being around New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you date a guy who who's like big into rock climbing. Um, rock climbing itself isn't the worst thing. Like I don't think that like a hundred percent of the time, if you rock climb, you're a douche. It's like at least eighty-seven percent of the time. So you're you're rolling the dice that it's thirteen percent of the time. But I do know a lot of people who who, who like to use right in presentations. I know, and they most of them suck right. ass. Right, right, right. So who sucks more? It's your question. Um, I don't know. It's like I don't really have much of an investment either. So make a choice, lady. All right, I'll just I'll just go with the rock climber. Okay. Yeah. I think the rock climber can can at least own. If they're owning it, that like I can deal with. Yeah. The person who's writing, I think they're unaware of like how much of a douche they are. Yeah, and it's just a a whole bag of low self-esteem. Like. Yeah. It's just constantly right, right, like seeking affirmation, seeking like self assurance because they're never confident in what they're talking about. Which also indicates that they have, they just don't have self awareness. No self awareness and like Napoleon complex slash little dick syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to date that. At least maybe a rock climber like has a 
like sweet dick. You, you know? never know. You never know. Probably okay. not, but you never know. <laughs> uh, last one, real quick. Guy who has a pony nub or guy who has like a really hairy back. What was the first one? A pony nub. He's got like a pony oh. nub in the back. Like um, <laughs> the guy in uh, Siesta Key, Polly Paul. Like that. Okay. Or a guy who's hot as fuck, but he just like has a really hairy back. Those are both so disgusting. I know. Uh, I'd have to go pony nub. Yeah. Harry back just, just really they're freaks me nub. out. They're both like, pretty brutal. I don't. I, I can never look at someone the same way. I think. All right. Ask me my. Ask All me right. your would you rather, and then we'll get into Friday this is, Night Lights. This is not a negative. Would you rather? I think this is like a good scenario. Would you rather? Okay. And it's pertaining to. Um, FNL. Yes. Okay. Um, Minka Kelly, to be exact. Taylor Kish or Derek Jeter? Of have sex with or anything with? Yeah. Taylor Kish. Sex or That's a easy. relationship or marriage? Or I have, I'm not a baseball playing. guy. I'm not a baseball guy. So, like, I'm definitely more of a football and basketball guy. And, like, Derek Jeter, I know he's, like, real, real hot guy, hot guy wise, but. He doesn't do it as much for me personally. I think he's more of like this general like athlete swag. I think that's a because de- I'm not like super attracted to Derek Jeter. Tim Riggins in this show. Tim Riggins all day every day. If you give me Taylor Kitsch who with like the short hair who was in um, mm. the season two of that HBO show. HBO. True Detective. Yeah. He was he, in that. Yeah, he was in season two. It was garbage. Anyways, if you're giving me that Taylor Kitsch or like the Taylor Kitsch from Savages, which was a terrible movie, then I'd choose Derek Jeter. But if you're giving me Tim Riggins, Tim Riggins, Taylor Kitsch, longer hair. I don't like him with short hair. Okay. Longer hair. So if you were Minka Kelly in 2006. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Who would I pick? Who would you pick? Fuck. If I'm her or me. Because if it's me, I'm choosing. <laughs> Does that make a difference? I weight teen drama stars a lot <laughs> if higher you had than. If I cankles. If I cankle, if I cankles and I was a girl. No, I rate teen drama stars a lot higher in my head than I'm sure Minka Kelly did. Minka Kelly does in 2006. So like, if I'm her, I probably still choose Derek Jeter. If I'm me, playing Lila Garrity probably better than Lila does. I choose, Tim. I guess it's like as you. I thought I overthought that. By the way, I overthought <laughs> that way too much. Okay, so let's. Taylor Kitsch is the answer. Taylor Kitsch. I'm just gonna default to that because okay. he's the best. Okay. Okay. Last question from me to you. Oh, if you could live in one world from a movie or TV show, what world would it be? Because like you think of like oh Game of Thrones, that would be like. Yeah, I was just but, thinking but like. But you wouldn't want to live there because you could die. Like you're probably gonna die before you're thirty. What world? I don't know. I kind of just like wish that I was a black girl from the 80s. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, kind of um, want to leave that in. Who's that chick from, um, like, is it Saved by the Bell that I'm thinking of? Lisa Turtle. Was she black? Yeah. The okay, only black girl. I think I think it was probably her. What was her real name? Lisa. Oh, that's her real name. Turtle? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like her real... Oh, uh, Lark Lark Voorhees. I don't even know how I fucking got that. I don't think that's that was what I'm sweet. Then. I don't know. But anyway. I'll tell you a good answer. A black girl that from the eighties with like a jean jacket. And like 
I was thinking it's like, I, yeah, I, like, you just saying that makes me, it reminds myself of how fucking much I wish I grew up in the 80s. I was built for yeah. the fucking 80s. My hair would have done really well in the 80s. <laughs> like, so well. Like, I think of uh, Stranger Things, the boyfriend in Stranger Things, who's always wearing, like, the jeans. Oh, yeah, with the like, big hair. That, that should have been me. <laughs> it could I wish, have been you. I, w- I would have just grown up in the 80s. I was just crusted. But anyways, uh, let's move on. Moving on. Okay, let's get into Friday Night Lights, the actual show. Let's just go through your thoughts. I think Pat and I, we're going to cover episodes 12 and 13. So unless there's like something that's like really sticking out at you from that. Um... Otherwise, I would just give like, what are your thoughts... First off, while you're looking that up, Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, Mm -hmm. on air, how chauvinistic do Pat and I come off? Because we're just two dudes sitting in a podcast studio giving our unadulterated thoughts. I think it is a little biased because I know you. Yeah. So, I'm just like, I'm listening to you talk. You know my heart's in a good place. (laughs) Right. Yep. When I'm ripping on cankles on ladies. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's just you. Yeah. So, I actually, I don't think it comes off that that chauvinist at all. Okay, good. Um, you think the kids, I, the lady kids, they're cool with it? The lady kids, yeah. Or are they just throwing up uncontrollably? No, 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 I don't think so. Because, like, I, as you know, I'm, like, more liberal. Mm, yeah. So, I yeah. could tend to be a little bit more, like, sensitive to these I know, topics. yeah. Yeah, I worry about some of our takes, like, about how much we love Caleb Nickel. He's just, like... A rich white guy. Who is that? Oh, yeah. Because you didn't watch OC, right? Yeah, no. Never. I mean, I watched it once, like, years ago, but I didn't really, like, closely follow He's kind of like a Buddy Garrity. Like, oh, okay. very conservative, old, rich, white guy. Okay. I, I, I don't think that, like, you guys come off chauvinist. I think the one area was when you were calling Lila a slut. Oh, Yeah. And then... Intern Whitney had issues with that, too. See, there we go. But, um, but I think you, we came out of it. Yeah, you um, you also called... Um, Tim's the biggest Tim slut. Tim Dylan. <laughs> a slut, too. He is. So, there, it, it, it was fair, but I think... Yeah, and then... It's just... It's, it's like, it's you gotta slippery. be careful when you call, like, girls I know, sluts. I know. It's like... Yeah. I know. It's slippery because no one cares if we call Tim the biggest slut in Dylan, but if yeah. we call Lila that, then everyone gets all fucked up. It's just gotta do with history. Seems like a bunch of bullshit to me. Um, another thing is, you did say the the you did call out our chauvinism on uh, when we first started ripping on Marissa Cooper's legs. My counter to that, which I'll just say on air, was that we did a lot of ripping on Sandy Cohen's nipple hair. So what's up? <laughs> Seems like we ripped on both both male and female who can't control their yes. nipple hair length or their legs. I think you guys are pretty. Fair. Like both sides yeah. when it comes to the hate on physical Feature, <laughs> Yeah, physical features that no one can control. Yeah, yeah we're pretty yeah. fair with that. I think the PC police would come after you. Yeah. But wrongfully so. Wrongfully so. Yeah. Wrongfully so. Kids, PC kids, PC fuck kids. you. Yeah. Okay, Friday Night Lights. Snowflakes. Snowflake kids. Bunch <laughs> of fucking pussies. Um, all right, let's go through your thoughts. You said you have like 10 thoughts. Yeah, I have a bunch of thoughts. Okay. 
These are on these are on Friday Night Lights season one episodes one through like thirteen or so midway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Probably. We already touched on. We can double back to the ones we already briefly touched on with like Minka Kelly or Jason Street, and how you hate all paraplegics who. Have yeah, had a catastrophic should I just get accident. into Jason? Yeah, Jason just now. <laughs> just why? What, tell me before you get in your. Th- tell me why, when you saw why it really bothered you when you saw him in episode twelve or thirteen, barreling down the street on a wheelchair. <laughs> what bothered you so much about that? Okay, so I've actually been giving this like a fair amount of thought. Mm-hmm, good. Um, and I did write some notes down. Okay. So, I actually think that the best part about Jason Street is his wheelchair. Okay. So, I actually, I don't hate Jason because he's paraplegic. It's It's not endearing. No, no, no. 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 Wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I know, I even cringed when I said that, but Um, no offense. I think it's more like if I were having like a happy hour or like a wine and cheese night at my house. Guy wheels in in a wheelchair. The only reason that I would invite him is because Jason is because he's paraplegic. Like that would be his saving grace. That's the only reason scenario that I would invite Jason Street to my house to drink wine and eat cheese. So he could tell the stories about like how he broke his legs. I'm I'm trying to say that like um, there's There's nothing nothing else. else Nothing else. Yeah. There's nothing else about him. Right. Other than the fact that he's in his wheelchair. I feel the same way. So, actually, like, okay, so I couldn't care less about his wheels. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I wrote down. There's nothing about this dude that stands out now that football is gone. And I think that partially has to do we with... We talked about that. There was not enough development of his Yeah, he beforehand. didn't. He never had to. If you're, like, an ugly dude or whatever growing up or, or whatever the reason is, you'll develop, like, a sense of humor or something to, like like self self correct or like overcompensate for what you're lacking. If you're a uh, a star athlete your whole life, you never have you any fucking by. reason. Yeah. Yeah, you never have any fucking reason. Which is the entire premise of him and Lila's relationship. I know. It's just like they're both good looking and have it easy their whole life. I know, but in that last episode you did did you listen to the most recent podcast? Yeah. There, I did. That was the only time that Lila's I was like redeeming in my mind, though, is because for the first time she stopped just jersey chasing and she was actually like, you know what, I am gonna choose the guy in the wheelchair because like I care I about him, him more yeah. and I love him. Yeah. So That's I like true. thought that was a cool, commendable. The only time I've liked her was that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not hating on Lila. It's just Jason. <laughs> I have a fucking problem. Huge problem with I don't know. I just... No, you hate his personality. It has nothing to do with his wheelchair usage. It's the fact that you hate his personality. It never had to develop. And when you take yeah. away all the accolades <laughs> and stuff, he's just a fucking douche. When you take football away, he doesn't have any like anything going. Yeah. Yeah. Which he's makes just, it sad. He's, he's just lame. Like, he, yeah. He's got nothing. Yeah. Even like in this episode when he's like jealous that Lila's like going on the date. I'm just like, you're so pathetic. It's pathetic. The kids, tip for the kids. That's a good one. That's a good one, Megan. Uh, tip for the kids. Don't show jealousy ever, kids. It's such a bad look. Have you ever had a guy that's been jealous of you? 
that like you've ever in your head gone, you know what? That guy who's at, who's acting like all jealous and stuff, like that's a real good look for him. No. No. It just like comes off super weird. Even if he's like a super hot, cool guy, if he's no. acting really jealous, I still think he looks bad. Side story about yeah. when Joey You don't want to say his name. Side story side story about uh, a guy you were with. About um, a guy that I was with. Say that um, over. Just say it all over again. Okay, so side story. Uh, a guy that I was with at one point. Yeah. Um, Joey. We were... <laughs> Thanks. Um, he and I were not together. We were just like kind of like going on dates and like talking at the time. Um, I don't know if I told you this. I probably did. But um, he... I, I agreed to go to a wedding with, like, my guy friend, and it was oh, just, yeah. like, as friends. Yeah. And he just got so jealous that he, like, sent me a single rose in the mail. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, fuck. I remember you telling me about this. Oh, <laughs> it God. It was, like, it was cute, but also sad. It was so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> Don't do that, kids. Also, it was a single rose. I think he, like, didn't want to be, like, full on with the bouquet. I also think, like, he didn't want to pay for it. But he, like... I think it was like he just wanted to be in my mind on that day. God, I've heard so many stories from from so many fucking stories about what dudes are really doing behind the scenes. And God, fuck, some of it's alarming. Like some of the stuff like that is just like, are you fucking kidding me? In what world is that going to work? Like in what world are you going to get that rose and be like, oh my God, you know what? I now am immediately like way thinking about this guy in soup. It would never go like that. It just makes him look like he's got a really tiny fucking dick. Yeah, I don't think that. <laughs> I don't. I, I actually don't think that flowers like ever really work unless you're like actually in an established relationship. Yeah, of, like then, with someone. Yeah, then it's like needed. Like I've missed like a Valentine's Day or two with Anna, and like it goes really poorly when I do that on accident. At best, it's just like a check the box thing. Yeah, that's how I'd feel about it always. Yeah. It's like check the box. But if you're like in a relationship for a while or whatever and you do forget, that's like when it really fucks you up. But like I would never want to give flowers if like I was just dating. I mean It's too much. It's do less. Do less. <laughs> do less, yes. And a single rose, even sadder. Be so. cooler. Okay, yeah. ne- next point. Let's get yeah. off Jason. You hate him. What's your next point? All right, so I have a general statement that maybe I should save until the end, but I heard you talking about what you're going to cover next season. Either, like, uh, what was it? Laguna Beach. Oh, Laguna Beach. And I got mad because... Or One Tree Hill. I don't want you to forget about Dawson's Creek. No, we won't. Okay. No, we won't. I, right. I, I honestly, that's one show that I've only seen part of season one, maybe season one, and that's it. And I really want to go back and like dive in. Because I've never watched it. Neither. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah. So not all of it. So yeah, I, I, that's on the list. That and One Tree Hill and Laguna Beach right now, in some order, are one, two, three for us. Mm-hmm. But good, good feedback. Um. So related to Jason, uh, I think in episode 12, he like, he walks in, or he, he rolls <laughs> <laughs> into the liquor store. Yeah. Um, I guess we're not going to stop rip, ripping on street. <laughs> it's actually not a rip on street. Um, and the guy who owns the liquor store, mm. like denies him alcohol. Yeah. Underage. 
Because he's um, no longer the star of the football team. Like, and also because his family is going to sue Coach mm, Taylor. Mm-hmm. So that's when he like speeds down the street, which like <clears throat> really sparked my hate. Yeah. But I have to say, like, what kind of a d bag stops providing underage kids alcohol or uh, underage kids with alcohol once a kid becomes paraplegic? Yeah, like, oh, like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when I that's when I start giving him right. That's underage. when you start serving yeah. the kids. Right. So I just I didn't. Have you ever thought about? Track to me. Have you ever thought about like going down to the hospital mm-hmm. to like the ICU and like figuring out which kids lost their legs and then just like bringing in thirty packs of Keystone Light for the kids? So I probably wouldn't bring them thirty packs of um, Natty Keystone. Ice. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I would. I'd probably give them like a like a gift basket of like. Nibs. And drugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Why not? Yeah, fuck but that little guy. little nibs of, like, fireball and, like, whatever. Yeah, fuck that um, guy. So, yeah, that was another um, thought. Jason speeding down the street with his 2006 lame shades on. This is my bread and butter. Oh, God. <laughs> those were lame-ass fucking... Those were, like, Oakley sunglasses. Lame. Yeah, I, I, I just, like, vomited four times. Right. Um, okay, so I will say that during that episode... I would say that, like, Jason's dad's performance is actually a lot more convincing than any of Jason's performances, or, like, the actor. His mom's good. I, you know, we always talk about that. His mom is really good, too, and we we always discuss, like, what tests for shit and what doesn't test for shit. I don't understand why his parents, I guess, didn't test for shit and are out of the show, because his mom was really good, too. I don't, I don't, like, yeah, I guess, like, his mom is good. I don't, like... She's that so much. I just know that I hate Jason, but when his dad came on and was like kind of arguing with Coach Taylor about like suing them because like they Yeah, didn't have he's like money. in a in a, a pickle. Yeah. yeah. Rock in a he hard was place. Way more convincing as like a dad with a para- paraplegic son than Jason has ever been as being a, a yeah. paraplegic. As the son of non paraplegic parents. Yeah. yeah, but I will say that I have Googled this a fair amount because I've tried to find, like, blogs that just hate on Jason, yeah. and I have a hard time finding any. <laughs> but... Easier or harder than finding uh, Google articles or anything on Music City on CMT? Uh, oh, it's actually easier. It's actually okay. easier. Um, Good. There's, like, slightly more about Friday Night Lights, but um, I will say that in regards to, like, Jason... I would say that people who have like watched the show are actually bigger fans of his how he portrays paraplegics. Yeah, in all reality, I don't think he does like a disservice to paraplegics and I No. And I think that um all those a lot of those guys, not um Kirk, but a lot of his friends in that uh, rehab center. Yeah, I hate him too. A lot of his friends in that rehab center are guys who like have real like Issues like right. that guy who doesn't his arms were like. I think they do the story service. Yeah, I just but I just hate, hate their personalities. Yeah, the all of the the fluff that they like fill these people up with, like these characters up with, like I don't like. And let me just say that I think it's made a lot the actor of um, Jason Street too, because that guy um, Scott Porter he. He's in um, Dear John. Uh, you've probably seen that Nicholas Spark movie. He's like the boyfriend, the the ex boyfriend, preppy boyfriend of um, that girl from Mean Girls. 
Oh, 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 yeah. Um, he's like the ex. He hangs out with his friends. He has a popped collar. He like goes and John like punches the shit out of him on the beach. I probably when I saw that movie, I hadn't seen Friday Night yeah. Lights yet, so I didn't recognize look it up. Him. Yeah. Okay, off it off of Jason. Any right. other? We have. I said that one thing that bothers me about the show is is the show a product of its time or is it tackling tough issues? AKA in episode 13, there is a woman who runs for office or like town mayor or like, I, I forget what she runs for, but she is like an opiate open lesbian. Oh yeah. And yeah. I just like, I don't know if the show is like covering this topic as like trying to cover the issues in Texas, like in real time, or if they're just being like kind of, behind the times I just I can't follow it because Coach Taylor says some like <clears throat> weird stuff like there is an exchange between Tammy and um, Coach Taylor where they're like oh like she's open like oh that's weird I know cause it, but it's <laughs> like yeah I'm with you I don't know if it's the times or that they were just trying to showcase that like in Texas it's like a very conservative like I still work with a lot of people who like grew up in Texas live in Texas and it is just it's conservative it like so yeah. it's not like um, whenever I talk to them they like hate women or like any of that stuff it most of them have wives and daughters or whatever it's more just like that's how they grew up and it's kind of like there's a taboo around some of that stuff but like if they grew up anywhere else they would be completely fine it's not like they have like hate in their heart for right. it. I just don't know because I think that TV as it is now is a lot more likely to cover that stuff as it was in 2007 or whenever it was Yeah, when it was it was like a little bit more taboo to it stuff was. talk about that stuff. It definitely was. So I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> like was, was it strategic on their part or were they not aware that like now going back they weren't really saying anything like right. political that really does now move a needle with that. Right. Okay. Good point. Good point. That is a thinker. <laughs> <laughs> another, <laughs> another thought that I had relating to kind of like a product of his time, I think is, I think it's just because it was, well, what, what channel was it on? Okay. Was it on it's, Fox? It started out on NBC and, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but it started out on NBC and it was when network TV shows of doing like the OC of 27 hour long episodes a season was dying and shows were starting to move to like Netflix and cable, more cable and Netflix. It was like 2007, 2008, right? I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was streaming. Yeah. I don't know if it was streaming, but those shows were moving more to cable. And so what happened was is Friday Night Lights actually got canceled midway through season two. That's when it got canceled on NBC, and then it moved to DirecTV on cable. DirecTV, the channel, okay. on DirecTV. Okay. And so then it finished out the rest of the five seasons like on cable. Okay. Was not aware of so that. So the first year and a half was on network TV, NBC. So I would say like a general point, yeah. which I think a lot of TV shows were like during that time, is that it lacked like character depth. So, um, there were characters like Tyra's mom yeah, and Smash's girlfriend who just Waverly. like disappeared. Like I actually invested feelings in Tyra's mom. Like I actually liked that storyline. 
of her relationship, like Tyra and her mom. But Tyra's mom just like disappeared. I know we were talking about that. It falls into the category of like some people come in, like Buddy Garrity or like a um, Landry. Like some of these side characters come in and just kill it, and you have to keep them around. And some, for whatever reason, whether some people like them or other people don't, like Tyra's mom had enough people not loving her that she just had to come in and then leave. And like I think Landry showed enough and Buddy Garrity showed enough to where you couldn't take them off. Right. You you only have so much time to dedicate. They already go through and layer up like 15 characters. So at the end of the day, it's just not time. Yeah. I think I would I would say like the TV shows now, they plan in-depth character storylines. Yeah. That they didn't do back then. Right. It was so that people, back then. Characters yeah. were a lot more come and go. Like if they were just available for the episode. That's a good point. I agree with that because now it's like people have a little more like producers and directors have a little more leeway with what they're creating and their vision like on Netflix. So if you think in your head as you're creating a show, this guy's going to stick, you'll go with him and it's like, fuck it. Yeah. He's a guy. I don't care if I get negative feedback. He's critical. Back then when it was on network TV, I think it was like, we're going to throw 10 characters out. And because we got sponsors and all this stuff who pay the bills, we're just going to see of these 10, who are the top six that stick. Right. Everyone else can fuck off. Yeah. And I think a lot of that that changed, that was Game of Thrones and uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah. Those two at the same, kind yeah. of the same time. Probably Breaking Bad a little sooner. But yeah. That's all I'll say on that. Sopranos probably too. Wire. The Wire. I haven't or, that was a little I before our time, but those yeah. shows are really good if you go back and watch them. Okay. So, uh, I'll just like make this quick, but yeah. like Buddy Garrity, I know. How do you feel about him? Okay. Me and Pat are on very different sides on Buddy G. I know you are because <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure him out because I think I have like a generally negative opinion of him. Yeah. But when I was thinking about it more of where I would place him on the... It's like the spectrum of like character development. I forget what it's called. Oh, like layer. Uh... Like if you're chaotic good, the alignment system. Okay. So if I had to rate Buddy Garrity on the alignment system, which is like how you rate characters in stories, it's like it's this nine box grid where you could be good, neutral, bad, or you could be I thought lawful, were... neutral, or chaotic. Oh, so you're saying he's in the chaotic one? So I would actually, I would, after thinking about it, I would say he is neutral good. Neutral? Yeah. He, so I would say. Okay, wait, just wait then. Wait, because now I agree with you. He does. But as he starts to get more layered and as the seasons go along to like four and five, when he like follows coach to each East Dillon and he gives up his whole lifetime of loving the Dillon Peace, like just wait till he goes to East Dillon and he becomes like the coach's main, Coach T's main confidant yeah so i say he's good he's good like at at his like core i guess the neutral thing makes me nervous because i'm like i don't want to consider him neutral though because he chaotically he's, moves storylines neutral forward. good like he his intentions are good but i think like if it's lawful if it's like neutral or chaotic i would say smash is more chaotic good like, he means well. Like, uh, Smash is one of my favorite characters really? on the show. Yeah. Do you hate that oh, we yeah. don't cover any of his storylines? <laughs> I mean... None of them up to this point it. have been interesting. No, Steroids yeah. and 
Honestly, I don't know how you feel about the Waverly thing. I don't love yeah. the Waverly thing that much. I don't because it, I don't think it's well-developed. Like, I just think that she was, like, a, she was a random person who was thrown into his life. And I don't know for what end. Well, when, I don't either. Because it was, like, when they start to show her, like, bipolar stuff... I think she actually becomes very layered and interesting as a character. Yes. But then as soon as they show that stuff, she just like, they immediately Get right move her. her off. Yeah. And I'm like, this character just started getting interesting. What the fuck? And I liked Smash's reaction to, to it. It was like, oh, yeah. I got to tell Lila and warn her about like, about how she's bipolar. Like, I just liked that. It was it was layered and nuanced. By the way, kids, whenever we get to that point where literally like Waverly's taking Lila like shooting at the gun range, not gonna cover any of that because <laughs> it just is lame storyline. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tammy is the most passive aggressive person I've ever seen, and it's goals. You don't like her? No, 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 I love her. But I actually think that every sentence that comes out of her mouth, or like ninety percent is passive aggressive yeah i could see that and i'm like is this really how you're talking to like your husband and like yeah who who is that guy in season well but i think i think it works with coach t because if i want to defend their relationship i think she is the more type a personality and he's kind of more in their dynamic he sort of sits back and she makes a lot of the calls and decisions on stuff you see him like as the football coach all the time and it looks like He's kind of the guy who would be making that, but once they get into their dynamic, I think she's kind of one, the one that runs the show. So yeah. I don't know why she's so passive all the time, because that doesn't match up. I actually, I like their relationship, and with Julie too, is like, they're all obsessed with football, and like, that's his thing, but he also takes a lot of their like, girly yeah. shit too. Yeah. Like, it's very balanced. Yeah. But, I, like, some of the things that she says, like, he'll say like, oh... Like, he came home from being, like, the college coach or whatever. Yeah, the assistant. Yeah. He was like, you're going to go to, like, book club tonight. And she was like, oh, my God. Thank you so much. Well, then she just had her kid, though. She was just, like, so... She is all the time. If if you watch any scene, she's like, oh, my God. Like, when she talks to Buddy Garrity, I can't tell if she's being sarcastic or being honest, like... Just a really nice, like, southern, like, lady. I have no idea. But that idea. annoys me because it's like, she just had her kid. We're jumping ahead a little bit on that. But, like, she just had her kid at that moment. And it's like, he, in his mind, in his stupid male brain, he's saying, like, oh, I'm trying to, like, give you, I'm trying to, like, you've been here raising this kid by yourself. I'm finally back from being out of town. I'm going to take care of the kid. You go do something for you. This is for you. And then it backfires in his face where it's like, oh, thank you so much. Eric T. Like, and it's like, I feel bad for him in that because I've had that happen a lot where you think your intentions are good and you're like, oh, this is going to, this is going to go so well. I'm going to suggest this. And then, oh, oh, that, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And it, and no, it's like, no, she, no, I meant it as like, good. She does that a lot though, especially with Buddy Garrity. He'll like walk into the room completely uninvited. I love the dynamic between and, her and Buddy. And he'll be like, I'm not interrupting, am I? And she's like, Oh no, Buddy, no. no. <laughs> and like it's just like obviously she's like hating him in that moment. I know, I'd I'd love their they really they start to have a really good relationship. They start like tag team and shit. 
All right, one more. What's your hottest take? Oh, I have actually two quick ones. Okay, one is that Smash is my favorite character, which I said. That's so crazy um, to me. Why? Because he's... Over Tim? He's cons... Oh. No. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that... that sorry, my bad. <laughs> that goes without saying. My bad. So yeah, anyone yeah. outside of Tim. That's on me. Yeah. Anyone outside of Tim. Um, okay, so Smash is my favorite character because he's like old reliable on the show. Where like, he's conceded in the beginning of the episode. He does something stupid kind of fucks up but then he like realizes his own ways he knows that his conceit is his own weakness and that is he's like aware he's self-aware it's a theme throughout the show and it's his like his dilemma like with his mom yeah. he's constantly dealing with that problem of like he's he could be great one day but he his arrogance like could get in the way of that but yeah. he always comes out like he has like, his heart is in the right place, which is why I love him. Yeah, I, I, we, we've talked about this. If you have self-awareness, oh my yeah. God, does it make up for whatever fucking shortcomings you have. It's probably the best tip for the kids that we've ever fucking given, which is literally if kids have self-awareness, be self-aware. Because it literally, you can suck so much ass. Look at Jax on Vanderpump. You can suck so much ass. And if you just like are aware, you have the ability to look in the mirror and like know what you suck at, you can then just suck at all that stuff. So how do you recommend people gain self-awareness? That, that's not easy. I would say that I had you no don't self-awareness be a in high school. You didn't? No. And you gained it? Then maybe you yeah. should ask yourself that question. I know. How'd you I, get I it? literally, I don't know. Like, I just went to, like, a preppy You know what? College. Honestly, I feel like it, it happens when your world gets shattered enough or, like, things, bad things happen to you enough. And when those bad things happen, you kind of are able to, like, look at them for what they are and, and then use that as, like, a, okay, how do I avoid this in the future? I also think that it's, like you get to witness people being more pathetic than you. Like, at least I'm not like that. I feel like the people who aren't self-aware, and I work with a lot of them, Craig H. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good call out. Fuck that guy. Um, he's not listening. Um, those sort of people, it's like whenever shit happens to them or they hear stories about like people, like they hear people say something to them or something happens to them, they they don't use that as like a lifting off point of like, okay, that was said about me. How do I now avoid that ever happening again? Or if I right. do it again, at least now I'm aware that someone has called that out before. So if I go do it again, like fuck up, I just call it out myself. Like at least let the person know that I'm aware that I'm doing that thing that in the past made me look like a douche. Yeah. Okay, last question from me to you. Okay. What changed with Matt S? Because you okay. were saying Matt S, Matt Saracen, the, the heart ring of this entire show was like tops in your list. He was even like maybe potentially above Tim Riggins. And then at the beginning of this podcast, you said that Tim, or that Matt Saracen falling off so like what's up is it all the height thing you found out is real height <laughs> no okay so first thing i'll say i think like when you first watch the show through season one matt saracen is the star 
And he like really pulls over like, Tim. He he pulls at your heartstrings. Yes. Okay. He also personally he has a, a skinny face, which personally <clears throat> you like that. I love. I'm really right. into that. Right. But season two, I'll just say like Tim Riggins really steals the show. Like yeah. shows more of his personality, just like being funny and just like like. He's very brooding. He's only really brooding in season one. And you're right. As you get on season two and beyond, he kind of they start to layer up. him up, and he starts to have this like dry kind of sense of humor. And I think actually that is Taylor Kitsch. Like I know, yeah, I showing agree. through because I think that's like too natural to be a character. I know you're not gonna know what I mean here. But it's what never happened with Ryan Atwood. Ryan Atwood was the exact same guy in the OC that Taylor Kitsch is in season one of Friday Night Lights. And it's like Taylor Kitsch used that to like build a brand and like turn into a layered character who's like going through all the emotions. Funny, sad, like happy, depressed, uh, like pissed off. He He starts to show it all, whereas Ryan Atwood went through the rest of the four seasons literally just staying in that one-dimensional brooding sort of character mode and i god damn what a miss i don't really know who's the better actor though because i think taylor kish just started being more himself like in later seasons yeah and he hasn't really resonated as much god this week i'm gonna post a picture on instagram of when they pat and i have already talked about it when they tried to make him a like superhero in the movie fucking John Carter and I made a really sweet picture on Instagram so look out for that it's going to be John Carter themed Taylor Kitsch you'll Is you'll know movie when you see with... it. yeah they tried to turn him into like this superhero and he's not really that you know yeah. it, it was like they tried to turn him into like Brad Pitt and Troy and he's just not that so my one example I think it it fall it definitely falls in season 2 so you can cut this out but um is it's this, gonna be a long podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, the scene that I sent you of Taylor of Riggins being like on the radio show. Yeah. And he was like, he's so funny in that. The chick was like, "You remind me of Jesus Christ," and he was like, "All right, I'm gonna cut you off there. That was ridiculous." And I was just like, "How much of that was ad libbed?" Like, okay. I don't, I got a scene that, I don't know when it happens, I don't know if you've seen it on season two, but it's pure Tim Riggins, Taylor Kitsch ad-libbing, and it's when they're, like, calling people. Oh, it's when uh, Lila is fucking around with that Christian guy on that radio show, and Taylor Kitsch calls in. Oh, yeah. He's like, hi, I'm from Waco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so... Just, you didn't answer the question, then we'll go, okay. then we'll wrap it up. Matt Saracen, what happened? So I think in season one, Matt Saracen is the stronger character in terms of, like, desire for the females watching. Yeah. I think he just, like, you kind of plays, like, he doesn't really know what he's doing, he really likes Julie, he's just, like, very genuine. I think that, like, comes off and, like, plays well with a lot of girls. And oh, played, yeah. played real well and with me. And guys, and guys. It plays well with me, too. <laughs> he loses it. He loses it more in season two, and I think that's when Tim Riggins picks it up. And I will say, Tim Riggins is my one, one exception to like so the skinny long... face. No, 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 yeah, well, skinny face, but the long hair thing. Because I'm not into long hair, like anything longer than like ears. Like, but God now, damn. now I'm just imagining a bowl cut, which is gross. Yeah. But um, 
He's like the one exception. And you get that hair wet and it's like fucking game over, kids. Yes. Yeah. Like game over, kids. It's just <laughs> Kids, it's game kids, over. Kids, it's game over when Riggins gets his fucking hair wet. Okay. Um ended on uh how how creepy are Pat and I towing the line on Julie Taylor uh with her You keep saying also. season three Julie Taylor. That's when she turns eighteen. So, is there actually a significant difference between No, it's one? just that's okay. the law. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, it's like, she doesn't look any different. She looks like... But I, she's 18 the whole time. It's like me saying, like, I can only accept season three Riggins. No, but Riggins is like 26 in season one. So, you can say he's a hot guy. Yeah, It'd but be like so if he was she, actually 16 in season one. She wasn't actually 16 in Yeah, she one. was actually 16 in season one. That's why we say season three. We're not... <laughs> We're not going off of the show's age of her. We're going off of her age in real life. I just... Uh, okay. Her age so, in real life was 16 in season one, 18 in season three. So here's what I was assuming is that typically they hire people over 18... Typically, to, yeah. ...to play younger than 18 because yes. they don't want to deal with like child labor laws. Right. So I was assuming that Taylor... Or um, that... Um, she was 18. That Julie was playing... Or was so now that over. you know, how creepy is it, me and Pat, when we lose our shit over how attractive it's, she it's is? It's actually not because I feel like she I'll, looks like twenty five. So when I watch, <laughs> for example, when I watch a Mary Kate Ashley movie, I in my mind like Winning London or like Holiday in the Sun, fucking classics. I still none of the kids are gonna know what the fuck you're talking about. Don't care. <laughs> Um, I still imagine them as older in my mind, even though they're 13 and I'm yeah, but you're not 27. <laughs> but you're not judging them sexually. No, no. But I'm just saying, like, in your mind, you still hold, like, True. have a placeholder. True. Oh, good rationalization there. Like, in our head, yeah. we are seeing her with all these 26-year-olds, and we're not assuming that Matt Saracen, who's actually, like, 25 in season one, is actually in real life kissing a 16-year-old in 2006. Right. We're not thinking about it. But if no, not, yeah, yeah, like when you first watched it, you were a lot younger. Yeah. Oh, good point too. Yeah. So your state of mind was just different, where you're like, oh my god, that's a hot chick. Yeah, and she so it resonates. Change as you get older. Right. I still am carrying this like she was super hot. It's kind of like when I watched Kelly Kapowski on Saved by the Bell. I love the rationalization that you've given me. It was like seeing Kelly Kapowski on Saved by the Bell of like smoke show. Fucking, you heard it on our podcast with Zerb where we recapped all of season two of the OC. Kelly Kapowski, for all of us, was a shoe-in to go on our Mount Rushmore of hottest girls from TV shows with Julie Taylor. And I think it's because when we initially saw it, when we saw Saved by the Bell, we were, whatever, in grade school. And, like, Kelly Kapowski was, like, the gold standard. Mm -hmm. You didn't watch Saved by the Bell? I did, well, but I wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like... Zach. Eh. Zach. Zach something. Okay, let's wrap it there. I think that was good. That was good. Good yeah. uh, good stuff for your first time. It was. How do you feel? Liberated? I do. I do. <laughs> I'm going to put this on my, my PDP. So we'll say, good to be here on the East Coast. Appreciate you coming out to the podcast studio that I rented here. And my East Coast digs. The, uh, the really classy. Yeah, the Hyatt, classy Hyatt, Hyatt uh, podcast studio. And we'll have you call in at some point now that you got Sounds your good. feet wet. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Bye.
Okay, Pat. Bringing it back to us. You want the MVP? I want the MVP. Let's do the MVP and get out of here. Go ahead. Who is it? Who wins it this week? I'm giving it to Tyra. Oh, damn it. We didn't even really talk about her that much, but she did. Let's she talk about fuck, her now. She her. She is the MVP. Yeah. Go 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 through your rationale, because I I'm on board with this. So we touched briefly uh, at the beginning about kind of like the two main points, like her two main criteria here for winning. The first is her dynamic with her mom, and basically realizing that her mom is a complete mess i think at some point she calls her mom a loser to her face yeah yeah <laughs> she gets her mom away from this cancer of a boyfriend yeah that i guess that he's abusive he's also a creep and he just doesn't treat the mom well the mom has such little confidence that she would have stayed with this guy as much as as many times as he would come back and uh, definitely yeah and uh, it's tyra who's what 15 and a half, 16 years old. <laughs> She's <laughs> wise beyond her years. <laughs> who has to convince her mom, like, listen, if not for you, get rid of this guy for me. Like, I don't want I don't want this influence in my life, and it's not good for your daughter to have to, like, watch you with this guy. And I thought that was cool. The other one is, like I said before, Riggins comes back and offers her a really appealing offer. Tempting. A very tempting offer. Like, yep. hey, I'm a dick. We have a thing together. I apologize for how I've been acting. I want to be back with you. I mean, is Riggins girls ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it would be... Yep. Two girls sitting here in this podcast studio are Riggins girls. I mean, I was tempted to take him back. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, I would have said yes before he even started talking. I would have given <laughs> that. I would have given this scene right here from Jerry Maguire. This is exactly what have happened. You. I'm gonna just have... shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been me. I would have been Renee Zellweger in that yeah. moment. No. And Tim Riggins is Tom Cruise. Yeah. And that's exactly how it would have played out. I'm I'm with you. I would have shown Riggins the money. Yeah. Show me the money! Show him that fucking money. Tyra does not. Nope. And she drinks her own medicine and she says, timing's not right. Nope. Sorry, you had your chance. I'm out. Time for me to stand up and be my own woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she she crushed it this episode. And honestly, it was like, they called her number. They put her in the fucking game. And she's like, oh, coach, you're going to put me in off the bench? I'm going to fucking heat the hell up. 16 points in two minutes. Microwave. Vinny Johnson style, dude. Fucking turn her the fuck up. And she delivered, dude. She she showed that, like, look, I'm here to fucking stay and I'm here to play. And I love it. I love in this show, Pete Berg, he gives everyone a shot. We saw it the other week with Billy Riggins. We saw it with Landry. We've seen it slightly with Buddy Garrity, Tammy T. Like, By the way, icing on top. With this Tyra MVP, she gets her mom a job, single-handedly. <laughs> yeah. By the way, more Buddy Garrity being hilarious is he only gave her that job because Cleavage. he just wants to hook up with her. Yeah. <laughs> That's your guy. That's my guy. All right, good stuff. That's good stuff. Let's sign out. 
kids, you know, per usual, as always, kids, you tuck in, you tuck in, kids, you sleep tight, you have a good night's sleep, and Pat, clear eyes, full hearts, do less, kids, do way less. can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.